Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and tonight I'm joined by Scott Patterson, Thomas McIntyre and William Irwin. Gentlemen, good evening. How are we? All good, mate. Evening, Martin. How are you doing? Well, I, I won the, the pause, the pause <laughs> thon there, uh, like I do most weeks and I get to go last. Yes, very well. I see you're in a bad mood, Martin. I'm Thomas McIntyre this week, so okay. We're starting off on that foot. It's not Tommy. Fine. Okay. I'm not in a bad mood, I'm just extremely tired. I think we all are. Um, it's the sleep deprivation of this grey dungeon that I'm in <laughs> uh, every week, obviously, where uh, uh, I don't even own a house. It's literally just this wee one bit of kind of uh, plasterboard that I move about <laughs> with me and make it seem like, uh, seem like I'm uh, part of a podcast every now and again. Well, there's, there's just no game tonight to, to cheer us up. But um, but the po- the podcast is available to watch on YouTube and through the website at thisisibrox.co.uk. It's also available to download on a variety of podcast platforms. Scott, tell us what podcast platforms are available on. Uh, Podbean, Spotify, Acast, and others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to back, bring back last week's uh, offering of Downloadatron, which I. <laughs> It's not a podcast platform should be by this point in time at all, honestly. Um, we're also doing our bit for the Rangers Charity Foundation. We're doing 114 articles in 30 days, and you're in luck because I'm doing none of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Tommy, I believe you've done a couple so far that have, that have went out. How, how, how's it been writing an article that's only 100 words? Well, as anybody who listens to this podcast will know, that's extremely difficult for, uh, for, for me. Um, actually, it's extremely difficult for all three guests on the, on the podcast this evening, to be honest with you. So I'm looping in Willie and Scott. I, it's hard to keep it so tight. I, I, I don't think they've went out yet, but I did mine's on um, uh, Andy Borman and Alan Coist. It is quite hard to keep it tight, much like I'm trying to do with this answer. Uh, actually, do you know what's still in my mind with that pod? Uh, podcast platform thing over two weeks none of us until this moment I've just thought of it nobody said pod hub <laughs> is that even a thing well if you put some of the bits together that I'm yeah yeah well okay I'll let you guys catch up right okay that's fine well the urban is raging look at his face look he's like that oh I'm gonna pretend he's I don't go on that side that's exactly what he's raging about but obviously, if you head over to our social media pages and that, you can see our Just Giving page. And if you want to donate anything at all, all, all monies go to the Rangers Charity Foundation. Right, gents, let's start this week on the news that Jamie Murphy's left the club. And, well, Irwin, I don't really know how to take it because I'm a big fan of Jamie Murphy and I really felt that he could offer the team something this season. But clearly after his injury, he, when he came back, he went, didn't get much game time, went back out on loan and Gerard just doesn't fancy him. Yeah, I mean, it seemed when he came back in the summer that maybe he would be given a wee chance, but it became clear pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be the case in terms of game time. I think for the benefit of Jamie at this stage of his career, it made the most sense to either go out on loan or leave permanently. I think the big problem with the permanent transfer is somebody probably has to take all his wages 
and I don't know how many clubs would have been willing to do that with Jamie's injury history. Possibly him going to Hibs, Rangers probably picking up a bit of his wages, Hibs paying a bit of his wages. And then Jamie gets a guarantee of a one-year contract when his contract ends at Rangers next summer. From his point of view, he's now got like a two-year deal at Hibs. Probably takes him up to kind of close to the end of his career. I'm a bit like yourself, you know, I always thought Jamie was a good player. He offered us something different. Maybe he wasn't like the most natural winger in the world, but he certainly found a way to score some goals for us, some important goals, especially in Europe last year early on. So, yeah, I certainly wish him all the best. It's obviously just no every fan's that happy when you're loaning or selling players to rivals in some people's eyes, Hibs and Aberdeen, but I'm not so sure Rangers see it like that. So it's just time to move on, isn't it? Just like when Ross left. Okay, absolutely. And listen, we can all sit here and go, you know, don't sell to Hibs, don't sell to Aberdeen, don't buy for Hibs, don't buy for Aberdeen. But at the end of the day, it's business and it's money off the wage bill and and all that. But but Scott, do you think it was more his injury that cost him in the long run? Because Gerard did use him quite a lot when he first came in. Or do you just think that the players that we've now brought in are just better than him? Um, I think about both, to be honest. I don't think the injury particularly helped him. His career's uh, undoubtedly been affected by another rotten pitch in this country, another footballer in this country, not necessarily a Rangers player, but another footballer in this country whose, whose careers went um, just on the skids a wee bit because they're playing on these rotten surfaces. Um, I feel sorry for Jamie Murphy a little bit, but I think if you look at the big picture, he's had a couple of seasons now training with the first-team squad, training under Gerard, McAllister, and Michael Beale, and I just think that the options now are are better, uh, and we, we just have better options now than I think what Jamie Murphy can offer, frankly. Tommy, we've got Jones, Barker, Kent on the left, I suppose. I don't know if I'm missing anybody out, but see, I'm, again, I'm biased because I'm a big fan of Jamie Murphy, but if it was me personally, I think he's got more to offer than a Jones or a Barker. But is it just a case of somebody was interested in him, so it's time to go? I think it's a, a synthesis of everything that, you know, yourself, Scott and, and William have said there. And that Jamie Murphy's, what is he, 30? He's a decent enough player, uh, but not the required level for us to really progress. He may have done a turn against some Scottish clubs. He got up bad injury, he's not been able to regain a place in the team, quite frankly, because he's not probably good enough or he's not been able to break in and get a chance to show that he's good enough. Mm -hmm. I suspect it's actually the former. He's not at the, the right level. And that's not to say that I dislike Jamie Murphy. I think he's a reasonably enough decent player. Um, and his talent gets around the fact that he's got zero pace and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he's not better than your, your Kent or your Hadji or, or anything like that, or Roof coming in off the right or... Um, uh, I would say Tim coming off the right again, but I don't want people screaming at me on social media <laughs> uh, for, not, for not understanding things like that. Where we only have the conversation, I, I suggest, is the fact that people circle the drain around, well, how come we're letting this guy who's also a Rangers fan as well, and let's put that, he's obviously a Rangers fan stuff right in the bin, right? Don't, have, don't particularly have time for that. Mm -hmm. When we've got Barker and Jones on the books, well, obviously, Stephen Gerrard sees something in Barker that can be rehabilitated because he's trying to rehabilitate him. And Barker's younger. And he sees maybe something in Jones because Jones seems to have maybe got himself back around about the first team again, um, being on benches and stuff like that. 
maybe still one that's half in and half out if a decent offer came in. Ultimately, yeah, the, the management team have making a, made a judgment call on that. And we forget as well, the player might have had a, an impact on that. Mm-hmm. I think, guys, I really want to go and play football. I'm 30, I'm tearing down the way, had a right bad injury, I've not played in ages, get, get me out of here. And then, you know, we send him out in loan. He can't play against us this season. Tick. It's some money off the wage bill, as, as William says. Not all of it, because we'll be paying some. Okay, smaller tick, but it's still money saved. And, you know, you get a happy player. We've done something nice for a player and a fan of the club. And ultimately, we've got another body off the balance sheet and off the, the, the squad that we can maybe replace with a youngster or somebody else coming in. Uh, that sounds like a, a win for everybody to me. To be brutally honest, I don't think he's that big a loss, right? He's not played that much for us. That's how little a loss he is mm. because of his poor injury. Uh, just to agree, you know, quickly with Scott, the standards of uh, pitches in this country are shambolic, we know that. And just a very, very final comment as well. People who moan about selling or taking players from clubs within Scotland, get a grip. You have yeah. to utilise your internal market really well. That's how clubs survive. The same people will tell you that they also really like the fact that we managed to get a steal from Dundee of 50 grand for Glen Kamara and we'll go and make a profit. All sides, particularly Scotland's big two, are generally or historically predicated on being able to snap up the best young emerging Scottish talent or talent that have come into Scottish teams at depressed prices, get them in and utilise them and then maybe sell them on. And weed out some of the young players and some of the fringe players to the internal market. That's just simple. Well, I was going to say simple economics there, right? Because that's what my argument's based on. But it's simple football. You're in a small internal market. You need to use it. And that means doing business with people that we might not like. Simple as. Just deal with it, grow up, and move on. I totally agree, as long as it's not Dundee United. But... um... I knew there was going to be somebody in there. It's like, well, things have changed since, like, what happened all the years where you've now got new owners at Dundee United. Mm -hmm. Like, a guy who's at Hibs, who's, like, a different owner for previous, same at Aberdeen. And I've got to say, it might not be something that people appreciate me saying, but Rangers and Dundee United at academy level seem to have a pretty good relationship now Mm -hmm. because of the new owners and because of how they've went about things. The fact we've played them in bounce games behind closed doors and stuff like that. I know some people might not necessarily like that, but I'm not saying fans should forget what happened, but I'm just saying that I think as a football person within the game, I don't think it's seen as quite the same as what a supporter feels. Mm-hmm. Well, if Rangers are going to do business with clubs like, Eddie, if you want Shankland, you know, we've got to go and talk to Dundee United to buy him. That's just that simple. And I say, like, so we've took players from other academy teams over the years. We've took guys from Ross County, to Mullerwell, to Hibs, Aberdeen, etc. It's just part of the game. The supporters just need to recognise that it's always going to be that way and nothing's really going to change. Well, see, this is the thing, Scott, and I'll bring this to you, right? We're constantly linked with Shankland. Um, Obviously, scored a lot of goals in the Championship. He's a big Rangers man, but like Tommy says, see see going forward, if you want to be successful, put put, put that in the bin. That doesn't matter. But is Lawrence Shankland really good enough for Rangers? Um, do you mean do you mean right now? Mm-hmm. So if we were to say Lawrence Shankland would he be a starting? Sorry, well, would he it obviously he wouldn't be a starter. But is he good enough to even be in the squad? It, absolutely, I. I would say he's good enough to be in the squad. I would suggest that the only reason Jordan Jones has been on the bench the last couple of games is because we've had to fill a chair. 
to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think there's any danger. He's still going to be here come the end of the transfer window. Um, I think, as, as far as Shankland's concerned, I think he'd be a handy addition. I do. Um, I think he has age on his side, so you could bring him in and mature him, make him better than what he is just now. Uh, if he was to, to, to come in between now and the end of October, I'd be reasonably pleased. I think he would give us another really good option. Whether we need him just now, mm-hmm. um, obviously a lot depends on what happens with Alfredo between now and the, the, the window slamming shut. Um, but I think if he was to come in, he'd be certainly a handy option. But Tommy, this is the thing, and I, do you know what? I, I totally forgot about Shankland. He's not on my agenda or anything like that. But if we were to bring Shankland in for, for Dundee United, he's not going to be cheap. And by that, I mean you're going to be a, a, a couple of million anyway for what Dundee United will want from So if we have to fork out one, two, three million, is he really worth it? Uh, well, certainly at the top end of that, the three million, it's a, it's a hard no mm-hmm. for me. I think there's maybe somewhere in the 40% of what you were saying there, you know, one point something, mm. maybe got on board with that. You know, he's 25, so he's got, does have some of that maturing age that Scott talks about, but he's, he's not maybe what I would call young. Um, he's done okay, but he's, this is the first time he's played in the Premiership. Um, he would be a bit of a punt, and we were constantly linked with the likes of Dykes mm. uh, as well. Do I think Shanklin's decent and will he get goals? I, I, I think actually what we're asking ourselves is, does he have the potential to be anywhere near, in terms of the, the purchasing and the story behind him, anywhere near a Chris Boyd in terms of mm-hmm. goals? Right? I think that's maybe the, the kind of, the, the analogy, the easiest analogy, right? No, he's not, because he's not as good a finisher as Chris Boyd. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not as natural at it. Um, but he's a wee bit maybe more intelligent than some of the other bits of play. Would I want Rangers to be paying one point odd, high one point odd, possibly two million on Lauren Shankland? If we were awash with money, maybe, considering that if Alfredo was to go, we weren't going to bring in another top tier. Our top tier number nine is going to be Kmart Roof, really. Uh, I think we've discussed it before. Itton's going to be in there and you're going to expect goals from everybody else. And we decide to try and leverage something out of the internal market, as I was talking there. Uh, a maximum of two million for Lauren Shankland. Could I get on board with it? I probably could. Do I think he'd play a ton of games for his school for that money? No, I really, I really don't. So I'd be asking myself, what's the what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is he being brought in for? If he's just a squad player, that informs my thinking when it comes to the che- the check size, because mm-hmm. you can go somewhere else and get somebody who's a bit more development related who's sub twenty five. So none of which answers your question. <laughs> which was, you know, could I take it? For the right price, I, I'd take him into the squad, right, for, for the right price. But the right price, I believe, would probably be quite far away from what Dundee United would want. And I just don't... I'm happy to be proven wrong, obviously, as I always am by Rangers, but um, unless I have obviously you know, said that they're going to win it the weekend, then I don't particularly want to be proven wrong. But uh, I, I just don't... I, I wouldn't be dis- I didn't, I wouldn't be unhappy, but... It's all predicated on how much we'd spend from, but I just don't think he would immediately break in. I've got the get the feelings of the um, sometimes when I see him play, it looks a bit like, and I'm really struggling here, gents. Maybe you can help me. The young boy that we let go was round about the first team on and off striker. Ryan Hardy. Ryan Hardy. Maybe a wee bit of that round about. I don't mean in playing style. I just mean some of the feeling I get that mm-hmm. you know he scored goals at other levels. Is it really going to work up here and in this 
you know, the Premiership. And where does he naturally fit into the Rangers squad as well uh, in terms of playing? I, I just, I just don't see it. There, there's my honest answer. I just, I just don't see it. I suppose, Wally, is it a gamble we need to take? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, I think the only thing you would say is, when you look at the European squad, you have to have so many Scottish or homegrown players. Mm-hmm. So it might be that we look at the market when maybe like a couple of weeks to go, if you need one or two bodies just to follow the squad. Because if we do start to move out some of the guys we've mentioned previously, then we still need to have so many Scottish or homegrown players mm-hmm. in the squad. Because if not, I think in the end you can only have like 20, 21 players because you do have to have so many guys that's come through the academy, you know, how many of them are Scottish born. So and you want to have a decent squad of players to pick from. And I think, unfortunately, overall in Scotland, the best Scottish players who don't play for Rangers or Celtic play in the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. And those guys are not going to come up here and be squad players or fringe players because their wages are higher than what we would probably pay. So it's a fine line. When you look at the quality of Itton, his age, his goal-scoring record, the fact he's a full international rumoured to pay around about three, three and a half million for him. That's good business. To pay, as Tommy says, potentially two to three million for Shanklin, who's never really been a proven Premier League goal scorer. It's always been kind of below that. That would be a risk. And I think what we said before the podcast started, I don't think Rangers will be taking risks on players mm-hmm. when it's that kind of money that's on the table. So my gut would probably say no, unless it was an offer that Rangers felt was okay, maybe we sent somebody out and loan to them as part of the deal, but overall, I would probably say no. And just to really quickly finish on the transfer uh, talk, um, Celtic, doesn't matter how staunch Lewis Ferguson is, go for him. Right, so um, obviously last week Rangers released a statement, Scott, about Edmiston House. Um, they're going to revamp it. They've submitted their request to Glasgow City Council. And again, I suppose this is just another step towards the recovery, if you like. There's going to be a fan zone put in it, which, of course, we all know was knocked back for Glasgow City Council. Concert venues. It's going to be, a, I think, a restaurant in it as well, I think. Yeah. But again, it's just this is just another part of us getting back to where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. The, the sort of artistic impressions that I've seen of it um, last week look really, really nice. And it's just going to be a general improvement to the the general way of that area. Um, I think it's, it's great for the football club to, to have something like that so close to, to our stadium. Um, I think it looks really good and I think it'll be part of many, many things that you're going to find out about in the next maybe 60, 12 months about things that we're going to do at one time or another to celebrate our uh, glorious 150 years. That depends who you talk to. Um... I suppose as well, that was the thing, Tommy, it'll be ready for the 150th anniversary or the 10th anniversary again, depends who you talk to. But there's also going to be a museum in it as well, and I've been screaming for us to have a museum for years because I took my mother-in-law down to Liverpool. She's a massive Liverpool fan, and I've got no feelings towards Liverpool, but the museum's fantastic. Yeah, so I think the the expectation is, if I remember correctly from the... uh, the press release, um, and I think we pushed the press release out on this is Ibrook's Twitter account as well. That they expect it to the venue that is to be fully operational. I think the first half of twenty twenty two, 
if I remember correctly. And yeah, you're looking at what a, a museum, cafe. I think there's a multi-purpose conference and conference, yeah. venue, and there's also new retail facilities over two floors um, there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that complements the uh, the store <laughs> and what happens to the store. Um, so ticket maybe, office at uh, Marbet yeah, as a ticket office. Yeah, people should maybe keep their eye out for that that wee one and maybe uh, the, the changes that are going to apply apply there. Um, spoiler alert and all that kind of good stuff, right? But uh, yeah, and I think as well, just proving that I can remember some stuff even though I'm getting older. I think the the new Edmiston House, as I think is what it's potentially going to be called in the planning, well, it was what it was called in the planning application. It won't be what it's called come, come the end. Um, I think the one of the pitches in terms of it pitches as in one of the selling points is it will enter the kind of music scene and venue mm -hmm. scene of, of Glasgow yeah. as well and be a bit of, of a, a kind of venue there, which is you know it makes sense because it's really uh, get good transport links to it uh, in terms of all that kind of stuff. So I think there were like dinners of five hundred people and sit down audiences of seven hundred and fifty and host gigs and events for up to thirteen hundred. So a pretty sizable. Mm -hmm. Talk about a pretty sizable uh, place here. So other than that, though, yeah, just the fact that, one, we're getting rid of the old building, which I think we can all be <laughs> fairly agreeable right. on, looks yeah. absolutely, you know... Um, uh, it's a bit tired, Tommy. Hack it. Well, I was, I was actually trying to think of the village that's round... Uh, there's a small village uh, round about... Uh, Pripyat that's round about Chernobyl. Mm. Uh, was the village I've never been. Uh, well, there, there we go. Uh, you know that I was born looking like this, do you? Um, <laughs> and and it, it's got that whole, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, post-nuclear war vibe to it, uh, the Edmiston House at the moment. Uh, and they did do a good job putting up the banners and all that and make it a wee bit better. But we, I think, well, obviously the club knew, council knew, we've all known as fans for a long time. Not only is it a bit dilapidated because there's better things to spend money on, but also it could be used a hell of a lot better. And mm -hmm. this is the point of this. It now gives us that good additional match day experience venue you know fans will be able to pile in um that just sounds really strange saying that in the current <laughs> environment we will actually be able to go in somewhere and cough over each other that'll be amazing um you know and have somewhere that's not just the stadium because you know, stadiums your match day thing it's nice to have something else next to it uh, and to go back to your original question have that museum have that touchstone that's mm -hmm. just rangers because you know right now yeah you go into ibox you do the tour and you've got uh, the blue room and you've got the trophy room and going up the marble staircase and nobody should ever take that away from from the tools obviously because there's something special walking up that marble staircase it's uh, it's a strange feeling oh but it's uh, it, there's a weight to it mm -hmm. and that you know that you've entered somewhere um i think uh, if i'm you know i'm going to push one of my interviews for once i interviewed tony vidmar for this is ibrox thing a couple of months back and he was i was asking him about when he first walked through those doors and he that was his uh, comments it's like a force of nature mm -hmm. you knew that you were somewhere special and it was bigger than you um and i've you know like some of the listeners and yourselves guys i've been lucky enough to walk up those stairs mm -hmm. it's, it does it does uh it does weigh on you you feel the history so yeah it shouldn't be taken away but it'd be nice to have somewhere as well that's bigger more purpose built can get more people in which means more money for the club and can showcase more and there's always you know you just take stuff out of the trophy room you can put it in collections in the in the new museum and stuff like that, and really tell the history laid out in a narrative, particularly for foreign visitors and foreign mm -hmm. fans. Absolutely. Come in and really get under the skin of why this institution has 
well, why it's existed for so long, why it's garnered so many laurels, victories, triumphs, and trophies, but also why it's captured the hearts of generation after generation. And even though they won't admit it, it's captured the absolute heart and attention of this entire nation that we live in. They don't mm. like to admit it, but there is only one club that they first look to to see what's happening, even when we're not winning things. The narrative's always about us. Let's use a building that we've built to tell our own story of where we've come from instead of letting other people do it for us. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. And just on a very quick point on what you were saying there at the end about getting foreign um, supporters coming over and stuff like that. That also then, you, you can then add the build the attendance at Ibrox, build it up, you know, put, put more seats in the stadium, get more people over. It's, yeah, it's, and, and Wally, just finally on this as well, it's another uh, revenue stream as well. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, well, I think any time you can add more money to the coffers, you're going to do it. I mean, especially with the, you know, the music venue is brilliant. I mean, I go to a lot of concerts myself, so it would certainly be something I would be interested in going to. Um, at the end of the day, if the club are making money four, five, six nights a week, it's mm -hmm. a no-brainer. And to be honest with you, um, a club of our size should have probably done this 10, 15, 20 years ago. But given where we've been and everything we've been through, the fact it's taken this long, you know, I'm just glad we're finally getting there. And I think a bit like the other guys, I'm really excited. I'll definitely, you know, look to go inside and look about. I'll definitely go to a concert if it's on in there. I would happily go and have a beer before the match or, or whatever else there is to do. And I think most supporters would feel the same way. You know, if you can put money back into the club in whatever capacity, then we'll do it. And that's just another thing that you can put money into the club doing. And do you know what? I wasn't even going to bring this up. Um, but do you know what? My agenda's gone because we've, we've <laughs> touched on subjects I didn't even think we would well, touch on. Martin, could I, could I just add one wee bookmark? Uh, sorry, wee bookend to that, please. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt your own interruption. Of your own, <laughs> own agenda there. Um, but it was just one wee thing, uh, and I'm sure the guys would have mentioned it, but it just came back to me there, that just at the bottom of the, the press release, if I remember correctly, um, the press release slash statement from Stuart Robertson, there was big play made from Stuart Robertson about how grateful, supportive, mm -hmm. close Glasgow City Council officials have been. Mm -hmm. That's a, it's a, wee, a wee sea change there, but interesting that the club felt that it was worthwhile just highlighting that uh, there's maybe been a wee slight difference in approach from Glasgow City Council from previous we think we can get away with murder. Um, all of a sudden, they're, uh, they're looking to help and support us. So it's just, just a, wanted to mention that. Hope your well, bins are full, Tommy. Sorry. <laughs> Hope your bins are full. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'll ask the butler, but um, I don't know who deals with that type of thing anymore. Just glad I don't have a Glasgow postcode. Um, <laughs> but you know what? This this actually, if we look at what the likes are, Stuart Robertson, he's got to get a lot of praise for this, along with with James Bisgrove as well. So, so Scott. I know, obviously, right now with the coronavirus and stuff, money is tight for everybody and stuff like that. But should we be looking in the very near future to increase the capacity at Ibrox? Um, I don't know. I don't think so, to be perfectly honest with you. I've, I've thought, I think we spoke about this in the podcast before. I, I'm, I'm not a great fan of thinking we have to, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I've been a season holder for just over 20 years now. Um, so you started, uh, you started going to matches when you were 40? Really, really <laughs> young, Tommy. Um, 
Obviously, I couldn't honestly, I couldn't honestly say that I've ever went to 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 games and thought, oh, we could do with some more fans here, or we needed to have more fans here. I really couldn't because I think that's there's something about that when you go to the the special European nights and the the big games against Celtic at Ibrox, the noise that generates is is special in itself. So you don't, you almost don't need more fans to to improve on that atmosphere. Uh, it would be a no for me if I was being perfectly honest with you, Martin. I don't think it's something we need to do at all. Well, I tell you, but the reason I ask is is because obviously it wasn't that long ago where um, there would maybe only be 30, 35,000 that showed up at Ibrox. And then obviously we went through our troubles and pretty much Ibrox has been full every week since. But Tommy, the reason I ask is I'm cur- I don't have a season ticket and I'm currently 13,000 on the waiting list. So there is, there is a lot of um, want out there for a season ticket for the lack of a better term. There is, uh, and myself, Scott, and, and Willie work hard behind the scenes to keep you blacklisted. <laughs> uh, it, it has to be said. It takes up a lot of our time. Uh, I can't even leave you that high up the list. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, always as, it's always as low as my fantasy football score. Um, that, that's where that is. Um, but I, I'm probably more on the side of, of Scott's kind of opinion there in that I like Ibrooks. I wouldn't want to see it dramatically changed. I think it's a good capacity. Could you fill in the, the corners and take away the big screens? Yeah, I probably. Um, could you look at maybe lowering it and adding in a little bit more capacity? Yes. I, I absolutely, 100% understand, one, the uh, uh, pound selling and pence argument. Okay, mm-hmm. you can get more match free revenue in, all that kind of stuff. Demand. Demand. Yeah. Well, That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Well, you've, you've kind of jumped into my second point I was going to make. So, um, it's like, God, now I know what it's like. It's not nice to have that done in people. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the first part is you want to get more people through the door. You want to get them spending money on a match day scenario at New Edmonds to the house. You want to have them spending it in the concourses and all that kind of good stuff. You have to play that out of, okay, how much is it going to cost me to change an iconic stadium to get the seats in? And then how quickly will it pay back to me? Okay, that's not something I would see happening in the short term. Um, but then you also have to say, to speak to your point, and I, I fully agree and get you know fans champing at the bit. And I will bookend all that at the end. I really do. But it's no bad thing for any company, and a club's no different, to keep supply shorter than demand. Mm-hmm. If you put in another 20,000 seats to make sure everybody in the waiting list got a new season ticket, then you don't naturally have a new waiting list. What you want to do is you want to keep supply depressed to a certain extent. So as soon as somebody doesn't get their season ticket, boom, there's, there's a never-ending train of it. So you can always balance your sheet knowing that the figures that are coming in for season ticket sales will always be relatively stable. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you did it the other way, then maybe drop off a cliff. So you know, some accountancy speak there, I suppose. But um, And then the, the kind of bookend of that is... You know, let's let's be honest. We're all we're all big boys and girls. You know, supporting the club. We are great supporters, and we really get behind the club, and we do that. And taking the journey to one side because it was special circumstances. No fan base I have ever seen stays one hundred percent when clubs are not winning trophies. No, now that's maybe difficult for people to hear. Mm-hmm. But attendances dipped when you know we weren't winning stuff. Uh, and then we got ourselves back. Do I think that we would keep it as high? Absolutely right. We're not winning stuff recently, and we're keeping it high. 
but there's something different about the recent scenario. And I'm just saying, if you end up adding on 10,000, 15,000 seats, and you're no filling every week, I'd rather have a slightly smaller stadium that's rocking all the time than putting up a big stadium where you're putting up banners to cover tears <laughs> because you can't, you can't get people in who only talk a good game of supporters. So, um, and that's not a dig at our fans. That was a dig at somebody else's fans there. But, no idea uh, who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a really... Uh, I, I could get behind putting in some new seats, but not a lot. I think my maximum would be five, 7,000 maximum. I think any more than that, and you're starting to tinker with the actual fundamentals. I don't see the value in it. Where do you stand on it then, Willie? And the old argument of they've got 60,000, so why don't we have 60,000? Um, having been inside Parkhead and having been inside Ibrox, it's, in the view, at Celtic Park's good. But when you actually see their stadium compared to ours, it's no like a comparison. And I'm not being in that Geraniers supporters' point of view. I'm talking about that for a lot of people I've spoke to over the years who've been inside it. At the end of the day, our stadium is a top-class stadium. When you look at theirs and you get inside it, it's breeze block everywhere. It's been thrown up. It's not the nicest of stadiums to be inside. The whole 60,000 capacity thing for me, it's never been a big thing. I agree with Tommy, if you were to maybe add another three, four, five thousand, that's fair enough. But it's got to be done in a sympathetic manner. We don't want to ruin what we've had for a long time. You know, when they added the club deck, they did it quite well because it didn't really change the, you know, the scape, eh, sorry, the look of the club or anything like that. You know, everything kind of stayed the same. If you're going to start moving parts of the Broomland and the Govan and the Copeland, that that to me is maybe changing the you know the look of the stadium. And I don't think we want to be doing that. And I think the last time they looked at reports for you know sort of lowering the stadium, I think like the water levels were a problem. And you know if it's going to cost a silly amount of money to add three, four, five thousand seats compared to you know how long would it take for that money to come back in? So I think everything's got to be looked at. But in terms of Stadiums. I mean, Ibrox is a far superior stadium to Celtic Park, and I'm not going to say that as I said earlier from a Rangers fans' point of view. Anybody that's been inside both would agree it's not even close. So the three years are basically saying, no, really, no. No. Not Which is easy enough said when you've got a season ticket. But anyway. Um... <laughs> but the thing I would say to that is, right, is it, for the club's point of view, I'm sure they've looked at it. But see if it's no coming in at the budget. I mean, if it's going to cost like ten million pounds, fifteen, twenty million pounds to add six, seven, eight thousand seats, I think most supporters would rather that money went into a transfer kitty or went towards something more than the seats. And I think that's always going to be the argument. It goes back to safe standing and all the other stuff that has came out over the last couple of years. I think the club would just rather put money into things that will make them money now. And I think that's why they're doing it. You know. Well, I think the safe standing makes complete sense to me. I don't understand why we don't do that. But anyways, listen, we shall move on because, again, I don't know why that came into my head, but I'm going to go back to my agenda now, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and obviously well, the... you're that long that lasts, Martin. That's, uh... <laughs> well, something I forgot to put on the agenda was the Europa League draw, Tommy, and uh, we get drawn against a team, I don't know if you've heard of them, called Lincoln Redimps. They ever, they ever played the Scottish side before? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think you played an Irish team before. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, right, okay. That might have been the, the uh, implosion uh, yes. that, uh, that, uh, that somebody referenced. Yes, um, nice to see them giving us a, a warm welcome. And 
even St. Joseph's, I think, tweeted mm-hmm. and said, can't wait to see you back <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, over here, which is really nice. It shows you that not only uh, our club, but our club's fans are welcomed uh, in, in the places they visit. Not that you would not even believe that from some of the narratives you, you know, sometimes see when we go away from, from home. Um, yeah, I mean, again, do I think we should cancel it? Yes, I do. Am I worried about our players playing on that plastic pitch? Of course I am. It's a consistent worry. Um, but I, I'm, I'm more worried, uh, and sorry if I'm jumping slightly ahead, but I, I sense the guys would be more interested as well in talking about the next draw, which mm-hmm. I think would be potentially, keep me right here, I think it's the winners of, if we beat Lincoln Red Imps, which with all due respect to the Imps, I fully expect us to do. Um, nobody wants to see Stephen Gerrard standing in a, I don't think Stephen Gerrard's a bush guy, maybe you know, <laughs> hanging out of a tree uh, or shouting out of a limousine or something like that. Uh, throwing bottles of alkaline water at fans <laughs> who are questioning his selection or whatever, right? Well, whatever that looks like, I don't know, right? I'm obviously having a breakdown here. But um, I think, we, yeah, if we progress, we see what I did there. We would then play the winners of Progress versus Villain Tway. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? Um, and I think that's quite an interesting draw. It's going to be bloody hard for us to, you know, get into the Europa League again. Because I think after that, you've got fourth round and then playoff. Is that mm-hmm. right? That is the mm-hmm. last round. The next round, uh, the playoff round is after the third round. Yeah. Right, okay. So it's, it's, so it's four uh, rounds, basically. Yeah, so progress or Villain Tway and then the playoff. Yeah. So, so much for, you know, UEFA trying to make it easy for clubs to, you know, try and get into Europe, so to speak. Um, but I think that's more of the interesting one. It's because Willem, Willem Tway, who are no mugs. That, are, they are, you're absolutely right. They are no mugs. They're a decent side. And we, we'll be hard, hard pressed if we get past the imps, obviously. Well, see, there's a, a few sides in Europe have already showed us this season that, Scott, because these are one leg shootouts, yep. it's not always a team that's a favourite that's going to win. No, I, I, that's absolutely right. It's not. I, I think um, Tommy's right. We should sort of take care of um, Lincoln Red Imps without really any issue. But the, the, the next one, the, the progress or the Villain Trois game is is that's 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 the big one, isn't it? I mean, I think you would expect the Dutch team to to sort of progress from that, um, which would make it a shootout between ourselves and them for the for the playoff position. I really hope that Steven Gerrard gets another crack at the the Europa League again this year. I, I think that was the that was the shining light from last season, certainly for the for the best part of the season, however long you decide it wanted to last for. But I think that was the that was the highlight of last season for me, um, watching them progress through the, um, the European sort of teams as they did, playing against teams like Porto and Feyenoord. Now, without really knowing much about uh, Willem Trois, I would say that probably both Porto and Feyenoord were better than them. And we played really well against them, not to mention our performance against Braga over two legs. So we can quite confidently say that we should be looking at progressing past both these ties and look into that playoff to get in the, the group stage. Well, see, this is the problem, Willie, because I think the first season Gerard came in, I don't think anybody really expected us to get to the group stages. And then we nearly qualified for the group stages. And then obviously last season, this season, I don't know, I'm so confused. Um, we obviously got through, we beat Braga and we were put to the sort of by a Leverkusen. But nobody's saying that it's going to be easy to get to the group stages. And these are all one-leg shootouts. 
But has Steven Gerrard built a rod for his own back because of the success he's had in Europe? Um, and I mean that in, po- in a positive yeah, way, by the way. To my point of view, I think we're a good European team. I think we've shown it in the last two years. I think we're probably a better away European team mm-hmm. or a home European team. So in some ways, probably didn't want the away ties. It probably puts a wee bit of pressure on like Willem to beat us because you know, like knowing the kind of Dutch people, they can be quite arrogant. <laughs> They'll probably see a team from Scotland kind of thinking, no, we could put them out. But that's a good thing from our point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I mean, to me, like the three teams we could have played are all good teams. Are we ended up in Poland or are we ended up in Portugal? I think all three teams are a good quality. I think we beat good quality teams in the qualifying previously. You know, we beat Maribor, who I think most people had pretty much written us off. We were getting knocked out. Osiek, they were a good Croatian team. Yeah. Even Ufa, I mean, Ufa were a good team. You know, when you look at the two legs, there wasn't a huge amount between the two teams. Um, so, to me, I'm excited by it. I think it's great if we can get by the Lincoln Red Imps first, which, I mean, I think it'll be tough just because of the pitch. But, yeah, again, you got an early goal. Hopefully that second goal, you kill the game, you can get you know, the main players off the pitch as soon as possible. You then get the league game on the Sunday, which you obviously want to win, and then you've got to go back again to Holland, and then you're away again in the following Sunday in the league. So it's a bit of squad management, but I do feel confident in the fact we can get to the playoff round. The problem with the playoff round is it stands at the moment, we would be unseeded, and it's yeah. really a difficult tie. But you mm. know what? Europe's always been a bonus for us in some capacities. In the last two years, the financial aspect of it's been massive for the football club. It's allowed us to sign Ryan Kent. And I think people should understand that more than most. You know, we were all sitting here waiting for Ryan Kent to sign. If we hadn't beaten Leisure Warsaw, I'm not 100% sure Ryan Kent would have been a Rangers player. Yeah. That guaranteed money for that European run was massive for us. Yeah. And another, another really good team as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think all the teams we've played in qualifying, I think it's probably Leisure that are the best yeah. quality team we've played. When mm-hmm. you look at the players they had, when you look at how good they've been in Europe, they were a really, really good team. We yeah. went there yeah. in a hostile atmosphere. They managed to grind out a 0-0 draw. And then yeah. I'll take minute one away, Alfredo was special. And what well, I was just... Sorry, here's, here's one as well, William. Sorry to, to interrupt oh, there, but yeah. just just uh, taking the conversation in a slightly different direction for a moment and not to go back to previous conversations over previous weeks because we've spent enough time talking about them. But I think the game's... Is it the 14th, the Imps game? Yeah. So be interesting to see because I think if we, if you put him on the, the, the team selection or you put him in the squad, then he's uh, he's locked for other teams as well. Alfredo Morelos, am I right in thinking that if he goes into our squad and plays in Europe, he can't play for anybody else? I don't think that's the case anymore. Is it? Is it? Is that taken away? Well, I'm sure last year there was players that played in the Champions League, but then they moved to a team that was in like the Europa League. And they could... aye, that, aye, aye. I think, I think with Alfredo, I think they played the Red Imps in the 17th. So I'm not really too sure when the cutoff is for announcing the squad. Mm. I get the feeling if... If a Porto are interested or a Lille are interested, they'll want Alfredo out of the European squad. So yeah. it probably puts the club in a good position that they can say to these teams, let's see if you're interested. This is the cut-off date. 
if you're only going to sign him, we're going to put him in the European squad, and it could potentially default him for any teams that's in also the Europa League for the rest of this season. I think if it was a Champions League team, I think it's different. So if, if you play in the Europa League for for if he plays for us in the Europa League. And uh, Leo come in for him if they're in the Champions League. He can play in the Champions League. Right, so, so it's dependent on the, the tournament. The, the competition, aye. Right, so you can play the qualification part because he would have already played in the qualification for a while. But right. when it goes to the group stages, I believe you can. Whereas, obviously, we get screwed over with Jelovic because he'd already played for Rapid Vienna and then we couldn't use him. Yeah. That obviously hurt us that season. Um, so yeah, I think the club can use that to force. Yeah. Well, if clubs want Alfredo and it does seem as though that's kind of moving towards that direction then you'll say look you've got until whatever the cut off date is the 12th, the 13th, the 14th whatever it is to say if you want him this is what we want take him away, he's out of our European squad we can then add another player to that squad or two players to that squad yeah. it makes us stronger so it'd be interesting to see if he um, I'd be interested to see if, if he's not gone by that point in time if he travels with the squad. I think that's just one to watch. There, there we go for, for that one. It'll be a well, well, on on Alfredo, Scott, um, obviously we played Hamilton at the weekend. We won 2-0. Yeah. Um, I'll come to you for your, your thoughts on the performance. But, but Alfredo won the bench, but didn't see the light of day. Now, was that just a case that Gerard was happy with the way the match was going? Or was that another signal that his time's up? Um. I don't. That's a good one. I'm not. Thanks very much. It was that good he's went silent. Yeah, that good that he's <laughs> muted himself. Um, that's, uh, he's, he's livid. He's livid. Uh, that's uh, technical problems. We should get a wee sign up. I said, there you go. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, I think that um, I actually thought Morelos would have played some part of the weekend. I really did, and more so for all. Kima Roof, I thought, played really well. And I thought his movement off the ball was excellent. He missed a couple of chances that I think Morelos may have scored. He had one header in the second half when he, he managed to get himself into a great position in between the two centre-halves. I think Morelos would have scored that. I really do. I think he would have scored that. Um, I think that, I think as, as Stephen Gerrard said, the, the lad's head has quite clearly been turned for whatever reason. Who knows? Um, I would like to think that um, someone can, if we're going to move him on, we do it maybe over the next sorry, wee while as far as the international break's concerned, rather than wait until we get too far into this window closing and then we end up with heavy pockets and we're not able to do anything with it. I think if we're going to move him on, we should do it as soon as possible. If we're not going to move him on, I personally think we should continue to involve him in the squad because I think Stephen Gerrard's went on record as saying that he wants his best possible team of footballers available to play as he's 20, but particularly wants the best possible guys to start in his 11. Alfredo Morelos is our best striker. Like it or not, that's just the way of it. In my opinion, he's the best striker we've got at the moment. He's heads down, he's heads turned, however way you want to call it. And there are people that are on better form who have got the jersey. But if we're not going to sell him over the next sort of 10 days or so, I suggest we integrate him back into the squad and get him back fully focused on, on where we want to be for this season. Uh, I, I just thought it was kind of Gerard sending a message. Well, I'll put you on the bench, but you're, you're not getting on. But Tommy, on the actual game, obviously we won 2-0. 
Um, but what was your what was your thoughts overall on it? Because I thought personally, first half we played quite well. We scored a couple of goals, we looked lively, and then the second half was just a non-event. Yeah. So just before I get into that, it, it just to the previous conversation as well. It's sometimes no bad thing if you're looking to sell somebody, and you previously said their head's been turned. Then the next week, even though you're not going to play them, you stick them on the bench because what that does is it shows to maybe the the, the potential buyers. One, you're willing to play him, so you're willing to risk him. But two, he's not a, a bad attitude player. So what he's done is he's focused over the last week, got his head down, trained really well, and got himself back in the squad. So that's a good message to send yeah. uh, sometimes as well. Listen, this guy hasn't down tools, so you're not, not buying somebody with an attitude problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying Alfredo Morales has attitude problems, but it's never a bad thing to drop a wee you know, stone yeah. in the wall. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what Steven Gerrard does, but psychology is everywhere, isn't it, in terms of football? So never a bad thing to put it in the shop window. Um, and then not play him on that dodgy pitch and not risk an injury. <laughs> so your commercial interest is saved as well. But yeah, but the reason why I've decided to speak about that first is because you kind of nailed it with the game as well. Uh, and I think last week I'd said 6-0. And when it went 2-0 really quickly, I thought, yeah, only a winner here. Tommy's, Tommy's called it. Um, in the first half as well. That's yeah, all I could think. That's it. And I thought. I'm, I'm still working. They said we just are going to score other goals in the first half. And That, that was it. You know, we, we got them in uh, in re- you know, reasonable fashion. We were cutting them open. We were just kind of dominating it. And then, yeah, it became a normal event. And there's this narrative now that's already started. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, I can see both sides of it that Rangers are managing games and not exerting themselves. Mm-hmm. They're just winning. They're just getting their goals and then going, hey, we don't need to force it. We don't need to keep playing for it. We don't need to rack up goals. I'm not entirely sure that that narrative holds any real water, if I was being brutally honest, right? I think players' mentality is to go out and generally win and win convincingly. And I think the players looked like they wanted to do more against Hamilton. They just ran out of ideas a wee bit and it all became a bit lackluster. So second half, totally forgettable. First half, Probably reasonably forgettable as well, bar the goals, if I was being brutally honest. We played some nice stuff. Hamilton never really had a sniff of it. We've went to, my usual, we went to another Scottish venue, kept a clean sheet and set a record, scored a couple of goals. Hadji got a bit of confidence, which is nice. Nobody's got an injury on a, digi, a dodgy pitch. And, and we've went back. Job, job done. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those, another one for the uneventful start of the season. Pile, there we go, let's move. Well, well uh, Tommy mentioned Hadji there and he did get the opening goal and I have to say it was a brilliant header by Roof. Uh, I think, Scott, you mentioned his movement and stuff like that and his movement's been excellent and it was, a, yeah. and it was an excellent header. Obviously rebounded to Hadji and Hadji scored. But apart from the goal, what did you make of Hadji's performance? Because there's been a lot of people at the start of the season. I think, Tommy, you've been quite critical of Hadji as well. He's, he's not really... He's not really done much. And in that game against Hamilton, all he did really do was, was score a goal. I thought he actually played quite well, personally. I thought his movement was good. Please don't tell me this is Glenn Kamara all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I think think the big thing, I think as Tommy pointed out earlier, when you look at playing on these pitches, for me, the biggest thing is just always coming away with the win. You know, we got a couple of goals, we got the clean sheet, we did fire a couple of quick salvos first 20 minutes. We still should have scored another three or four goals on the day. It's not like we weren't creating the chances. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those kind of afternoons where we maybe just didn't were clinical enough. And Roof is obviously kind of part of that. He obviously had two or three really good chances in that second half. 
overall, I'm, I think as I said in one of the previous kind of aftermatch you know, YouTube live chats that I'm really happy with how the season started. Obviously, I would have loved to have beat Livingston. I think we would all love to have seen that. But still not conceded. We're looking reasonably comfortable in most games. Players are, are gaining more and more minutes on the pitch. And it's helpful for us that obviously going into these European games as well that we've probably played a few more games than most of the teams we're going to come up against. So that's going to be beneficial for us. I just hope that all the players come back for international duty with no injuries. Um, and hopefully Hadji manages to get a couple of good performances, maybe a couple of 90 minutes. I think for him it's all about confidence. For Yanis, mm-hmm. you watch him when he gets a bit of confidence, he's a different kind of player. And I think once you get him rolling... I think we'll be in a far better place. And I think it is just important that they keep feeding him the ball, keep looking for him. I think it was him and, and Kent had a couple of lovely touches between each other. Um, and I think those two as a partnership are going to get stronger and stronger over the season as well. I think Kent has proven that he is the driving force in this team. I think that was evident yeah, again with that game against Hamilton. He is, but you know, just, just to go back to that, that Hadji point, as well, um, you know, in case I, I hadn't made it clear, because I've been critical of him. He's a good player. I like Giannis Hadji. And what I would say in his defence as well is he's not been playing Sterling. I maybe slightly disagree with William to a certain extent. I don't think he was that, I don't think he was that good a performance on uh, against I thought Hamilton. he was kind of anonymous, to be honest. What, well, what I was going to say, though, is I think William mentioned this as well. I absolutely, what I do like about Hadji is, I don't think, I wouldn't agree with anybody who said he went and hidden. He's trying stuff when he's mm-hmm. getting minutes on the pitch. He's asking for the ball. He's trying to beat players. He's trying to play those passes. It's just not coming off from him right now. Kent had the exact same thing for a spell. You know, it sometimes happens. But what I do, you know, that's why I'm just nailing that again. What I do like about Hadji is he's not wearing any shell. He's still coming on. He's desperate for it. You can see it. Desperate to get that goal. It's another as long as he keeps trying, as long as he's doing the right things, eventually it's going to click. And that's exactly. what I do. I mean, at the moment, I mean, see if Yanis wants to go hiding. And he wasn't looking for the ball and he'd be stepping behind defenders to know then I would be worried. That's why I'm reasonably happy that I fought against Hamilton. He was continuing to look for the ball. He was always in space. He was looking for the link up. You know, he had a couple of nice wee feeds throughout the roof. And as long as he's doing that, I'm content because I know eventually it's going to click. And see, when it does click behind you, you know it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. And he's capable of pinging free kicks. And see the fact he was in the box to score that goal. That's yet again something we were talking about earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. We want Aribo in the box. We want Ken in the box. We want Hadji in the box. He was there to tuck that away. And then also Kent's the yep, guy yep. that gets the shot off for the second that's spilled by the goalie and Tav's at the back post to score. And yet again, I told you that Tav was going to score. That I said <laughs> you that. did, aye. You did say Tav was I going was, to score. Well, I was, I was looking at my watch since the start of the podcast and I was wondering <laughs> when that was coming back, mate. But yeah. listen, just talking about just talking about Tav and talking about the defence, Scott, obviously that's six games, six clean sheets. Yeah. But I want to play slight devil's advocate and believe me, I'm I'm not being uh, disparaging in any way, shape or form. Obviously six clean sheets, new record, that's brilliant. But has this defence really faced a test yet? Uh, so Aberdeen didn't have any recognised striker. St Johnston had one up top at Ibrox, Colin Henry's laddie. Didn't really do a lot, although he did turn Leon Balligan inside out at nothing each. Um, the other Saint game... St Mirren never offered anything. No, nah, 
So, listen, there, there's an argument, but what I would rewind that, certainly, the second half was really poor. I thought Hamilton had a bit of a go at the weekend, and if it wasn't for John McLaughlin making a tremendous save, maybe with 20 minutes or so to go, then the, the record's gone. It was a great save, fantastic save, and I think you're looking at um, the first real serious challenge that Alan McGregor's had for that goalkeeper jersey in his career. Ibrox. No, absolutely, Tommy. And, and concentration-wise, defence has been absolutely superb. John McLaughlin has been superb. But I suppose the main point I was just getting at is it's, it's excellent to have this record and we can praise the defence, but you don't want to get too overconfident because they haven't really been seriously tested yet. Yeah, I think I said I think I said that last week as well. Ringed off some of the things that Scott's ringed off there, and that's not taking away from the record. You can only beat what's in front of you. But again, you know, uh, Livingston without Dykes, Aberdeen without Cosgrove, guys who have caused us trouble in the past. Uh, if we can cycle through the next tranche of games, let's say the next five games post international break, and still be uh, with a clean sheet record, I'll be you know wildly wildly mm. impressed. Ultimately, though, if I'm going to be honest, right, stick your clean sheet record in the bin <laughs> if you give me a 1-0 win over Livingston and amongst all that, you know what I mean? Because I'll take the three points every day of the week rather than these types of things. And I'm sure, you know, the management and the back four, back five, including McLaughlin, who you're right, has been outstanding and has grabbed the jersey. You know, it's McGregor's to now win back, yep. not, you know, not, not to get back, so to speak. Um, I, I'm sure they're all proud of the fact that you know, they've kept a clean sheet, they've set a record and all that type of thing. It's, it's brilliant, right? And it, it's a basis of for winning games. But ultimately, three points, three points, three points, three points, three points. And I, I think if you asked any of those players as well, would you have conceded in every single game but won them? Uh, and we'll give you the three points from the Livingston game, they'd snatch a hand off at the elbow. So, you know, let's you know, keep it relatively in perspective. But aye, it's always nice to not concede goals. You know, I like that. You know, what, you know we don't look... Um, vulnerable at set pieces again though that's predicated on the fact that Aberdeen would have played the long ball at Cosgrove, Dykes would have been the long ball uh, at Livingston as well but I, you know, first couple of, you know, start of the season, you're setting clean sheet records and you've won everything by one game and you drew that one do you know what, let's, let's just enjoy that, you know what I mean so yeah, I'm quite happy. And listen I, I was going to bring up Barker McLaughlin, I was going to bring up the the second yellow card from McCann, um, but because I, I didn't expect us to have as much content as I've had tonight, gentlemen. But just to finish really quickly on the Hamilton game, Willie, um, and the fact that I need to bring this up probably shows just where we are when it comes to referees. But I thought Willie Collum had a good game. Yeah, well, I don't think he particularly did anything great. I don't think he did particularly anything bad. So I think it's always good when you come away from a game and you don't need to speak about the referee. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't really a huge amount in the game in terms of tackles or anything really dangerous, which makes it a bit easier. The only one was maybe Ruth in the penalty spot. He obviously felt as though there was a push for Ruth before he was pushed. Mm-hmm. I pushed it back a few times and it's minimal at best. Um, for me, if we had a penalty given against us for what Ruth had, I'd, I'd be probably a bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can see both sides. I'm a Rangers fan. I want the penalty. But if somebody had given that against me, I'd be pretty pissed off. So, <laughs> like, see if I don't agree on base sides, then it's probably not a penalty. So, that's kind of how I've seen it. Right, gentlemen, well, that'll do us this week. But before we go, we are going to check up on our Fantasy Football Scotland scores. Um, 
No, now, no Tommy, one more. I, <laughs> no I, believe, <laughs> I believe Tommy that I asked you, and your excuse was my phone ran out of battery, so I don't know where I am. My, my phone genuinely has run out of battery. I've not charged it, and I don't know exactly where I am, but I'm more than happy to say it's near the bottom. <laughs> it's, it's, if it's not actually the bottom. So I'm not making any excuses here. I know exactly where I am in the world. Are you doing any better, Scott? I'm underneath Tommy. <laughs> we, we figured that out after cold, your trip cold to and, cold, yeah. cold and dark down Just here, Scott. Really, cold really bad. But what I would say is that um, you remember, Tommy, you and I, we've got this connection clearly, but the other guys, they've all picked sort of players for East End and we point blank refused exactly. to do that. Um, exactly. However, what I we did have... Exactly. We're in our bio bubble. That's what we are in. The, the blue bubble, not this multicolored shite hole that you are in. I what I would sure. say <laughs> is that I did have Motherwell's David Turnbull in my, my fantasy football team. So, alas, he's bombed. Nice, nice, Scott. I like Willie, Willie Irwin. Last action. <laughs> How are you getting on? I think I've dropped like a stone. <laughs> Started off the season okay, but I think since I made my six or seven changes to the squad, that it's just as bad. I think I lost like 24 points when I made the subs. That put me in like negative equity. So, <laughs> what, you, what you'll find, well, what you'll find is you, you drop like a stone to the bottom of the table, right? And then there's a trapdoor, a set of stairs, ah, and then right. you take a lift down a couple of levels, and then you meet me and Scott <laughs> down, in the, down in the dungeon. That's right, the, right down honest. past, right down past Satan. Honestly, oh yeah, even, definitely. He stands at us, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's bad. Well, listen, the top three in our league is. Where in are you, Martin? Place, Martin, uh, where are you? Three hundred and one. Three hundred and one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good point. Um, in third place, we've got Kenny Gardner. In second place, we've got Ranger Circle. And in first place, we've still got Murdo McDonald with 397 points. He's really yeah. good, isn't he? He's really, really good. Um, but listen, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. Obviously, the podcast is available to watch on YouTube the, through the website. This is ibooks.co.uk. And it's available to download from a multitude of podcast platforms. Will I have an it? Mate, I'm the least technological person on the planet. So asking me is like a horrendously bad idea. Brilliant. Brilliant. Download the Tron. Download the Tron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I it's called PodHub if you want to check that out. <laughs> it's available on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Podcast Addict. And of, and of course, head over. It. Sorry, Martin. You can also download it at my, um, my second Twitter account, which is Murdo McLeod. Uh, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it's got a link to my fantasy football team and of course head over to our social pages and check out what we're doing for the Rangers Charity Foundation head over to our Just Given page and anything you can give is greatly greatly appreciated. Gentlemen thank you very much, thank you for everybody listening and everybody watching and we shall speak to you soon How does the offer of free beer sound? Well all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash this is ibrooks and cover just 5 95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. You can be sipping eight totally different craft beers, sourced and created by the good folks at Beer 52. Not only that, but they'll drop it right to your door so you don't even need to leave your house. If you're looking to stock up on beer, now's your chance. Since 2014, Beer 52 have been on a quest to find the best beer money you can buy anywhere on the planet. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. 
Each month they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea and Germany. If you're looking to stock up or just fancy trying something different, then Beer 52's Craft Beer Discovery Club is for you. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account anytime you like. And also for every listener and viewer who signs up to Beer 52 using promo code This is Ibrooks, you will be helping support the club we all love. So just go to beer52.com forward slash this is Ibrooks to get your first case of eight beers for five ninety-five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash this is Ibrooks. Thank you for your continued support. 